You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network's second Jurassic World episode of the last five minutes, <laughs> approximately. Uh, we ended our preview last week of uh, Fallen Kingdom by specifically telling you this is not going to be one like Star Wars where it's going to demand a spoiler episode. And then we watched the movie, and immediately, no, we got to do a spoiler episode because there's some crazy stuff in this movie that we have to talk about. If you have not seen this movie yet, turn off this episode, download our spoiler-free one, which uh, also went up around the same time or maybe just shortly before this, and listen to that instead. But here, we're going to talk about all of the insanity, all of the absurdity, all of the genetic manipulations um, <laughs> <laughs> that really have a scratching our head and everything Colin Trevorrow decided to throw out there since he wasn't directing he wouldn't be blamed for it Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom spoiler episode my name is Colin and look at their DNA they're all the same <laughs> and my name is Ben and in direct reference to the Oz Network saying there wouldn't be a spoiler episode it was all a lie <laughs> You know what's funny is that um, when I finished this, like you mentioned on the last episode, very first thing I did was message you and say, we have to do a spoiler episode on this. And you're like, oh yeah, because we've got to talk about the twist on the ending, which I mean, we're sure, we're sure we'll talk about. But throughout the course of the spoiler-free episode we did, I think we came across probably a dozen different things that even <laughs> though it's not like big spoiler, we're like, what did this mean? What was the point of this? We're like, we just got to talk about this a little bit. So, I mean, we're going to have a lot to cover here. I don't know if this will be longer or shorter. It's probably going to be a lot more animated than the last episode. <laughs> um, can we just start off, people? Again, last warning. If you have not seen Fallen Han Kingdom, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> Han Solo dies. <laughs> um, Ian Malcolm is Owen Grady's father. <laughs> Danny wins Guatemala. Uh, no, for real now. <laughs> Blast from the past there. Danny wins Guatemala. <laughs> but uh, last warning, because we're going to spoil something big here. So the little girl's a clone, is she? <laughs> what? I haven't seen this movie yet. What? <laughs> yeah. Human cloning uh, is now a thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger set to make an appearance in uh, Jurassic World Part 6. <laughs> Get to the chopper. Uh <laughs> <laughs> where do we start with this uh, um first of all let's just say we this is the last episode we're not just gonna be trashing the movie well we are gonna be but we both said we enjoyed the movie i said i would rent this even though i'll probably end up buying it because i love jurassic world i would want to see it again you said this is like your third favorite jurassic park movie you really enjoyed it we both agree there is some bonkers stuff in this movie that needs to be addressed is there anything we can say that's positive about the cloned little girl, as we find out in this movie. Can you imagine if we were watching the first one and we found out that, like, Tim was a clone? I mean, the one thing I have to say is that it does feel like something that you would assume Michael Crichton would have explored. So that's the one, the only thing about this that I can say, like, look, I can see that's probably the next step. But it's it's it just comes out of nowhere. It's kind of, it's not like something that has been talked about in previous Jurassic Park films, you know, like, oh, if we can clone dinosaurs, we can clone humans. Um, and, like, the whole purpose of the Jurassic Park films is to kind of create this wonderment with dinosaurs. We don't need to explore human cloning. We've got films on that already. So it, it just, it's a stupid twist that I think 
it just, what is the purpose of it? I mean, it's kind of, it's almost like they've gotten down to like, well, we have to have a kid in this movie. It's a Jurassic Park movie. But, oh, we're so sick of them just being in trouble. Let's create a twist with the kid. And to me, the twist was going to be that this was the daughter of, like, Ellie or Lex. Because we kept seeing yeah. the photo. Like, oh, who's in the photo? Like, your mother was on the island. And that's the part, like, I've turned to Mallory and I've gone, holy shit, like, Ellie was, like, really the daughter of James Cromwell or, like, Lex wasn't really the granddaughter of John... <laughs> like, to me, this is going to be like, oh, there's a, an affair going on behind the scenes, <laughs> like, someone's cheating on... Yeah. Like, to me, that would have been, like, a, a real soap opera twist, but it still would have been kind of cool. Imagine if that photo... And the, there's, you know, Laura Dern, <laughs> like... And then that's going <laughs> to dispel rumours in the next film that, like, Ellie's going to come back in the next film, but... And that's... I didn't get it, like, at first when they showed this photo and it's like... Who's that? <laughs> I'm like, and, I'm like, and then they're talking about the clone. Like, even Sarah Harding, like, it's Julianne Moore. <laughs> like, Jerry Harding. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was dumb and it just kind of, it created something. And like, to me, that led to just the dumbness at the end when she like presses a button. They're like me. Oh. They've got, shut up. Like, I like this girl. Like, yeah. she actually wasn't one of these annoying little shits that I thought she was going to be. In that final scene, she became an annoying little shit. Like, here's the biggest problem with this. Okay, well, there's two big problems with it. Uh, I'm going to get to the plot hole second, because I'm just going to address the problem with this working in terms of story. I know that Colin Trevor is going to come out now, or Joe Bayona is going to come out and say, you know, this this was really important, actually, even though people think it's stupid, because it's going to set up something big in the sequel. Nobody is going to want to want to see a sequel about a little girl that's a clone. <laughs> like, there's nothing about this that lends itself to an intriguing sequel. It's just dumb. Even if they do go somewhere with it. But the purpose of it being in this movie, let's just say it never gets addressed again. The only purpose, you, we talked about in the spoiler-free one, about how Owen and Claire, like, they're just there. They don't serve a purpose in the movie. Like, this whole movie could basically happen without them and nothing changes. But the purpose of them introducing this twist is only to give this little girl a reason to let all the dinosaurs go in the end mm-hmm. so they can roam the planet and kill everybody alive so like it almost seems like they're like let's throw something really crazy out there let's show how unethical these scientists are that the scientists need to be the ones who are stopped but let's also give this little girl excuse because somebody has to let the dinosaurs out in the end but now you've just made this little girl so stupid because i don't care if she's that's why i kind of joked about that you know, horrible line in volcano look at their faces they're all the same because that's basically what this ending is it's like they're just like me (laughs) What? Because you're a clone. That's right. Terrible. I'm regurgitating the absurdity of this plot twist. Because you're a clone of a person, that means you identify with a clone of an animal. Like that makes no more sense than if I look at my hamster over there in the hamster cage and I'm like, we're just the same. Like, no, you're still an animal and a human. <laughs> There's no parallel there. It just made this girl look incredibly dumb. And it, it made you annoyed with the ending because now it's not just like, okay, Claire let the dinosaurs go because, you know, she's such a social activist. She's just going to extremes. Now it's just a really dumb little girl that just killed half of the world's population. And is she going to be held responsible? Like, is there going to be another Senate inquiry? Yes. Like, Alan Grant sitting in there with blood all over his face, like, going, if this little girl hadn't released the fucking raptor, <laughs> Ellie would have lived. Come here, little girl. <laughs> the seventh Jurassic World, the revenge film of Alan Grant going after Maisie. But yeah, I mean, it's... 
it is like you're right with everything there, and it's just it's just dumb. And the thing that I think is kind of interesting, which I was reading some of the like, what does this mean for Jurassic World six? It's you know, we know that Jurassic World Park 3 was kind of established as perhaps dinosaur-human hybrids and soldiers. Now, are we going to learn in the sixth part that she's got part Indoraptor as she starts, like, eating, like, Owen's leg? Oh, sorry, I don't know what got over me. Like, I just got a bit hungry. Like, and it's... it's where, where did where this it- come from? Because, like, this is meant to be why um, Lockwood stopped working with Hammond. And one of the interesting theories oh, I read was like, right. this is a plot hole, because how old's Maisie? Like, eight? Seven? Eight? Twelve? Twelve? Maybe the oldest, twelve. Okay, twelve. Let's go with twelve. Hammond died 20 years previously to this film. <laughs> so Lockwood, at some point, has gone, I'm going to clone a human. Hammond's gone, no, I don't want to work with you anymore, so let's stop working together. 20 years like earlier, he died. So either this girl is like a clone that ages very differently, or he's created another clone that died, and therefore he's created this girl again. This like, is there's the a hole there. Day. I don't get it. Yeah. And, and like, here's the thing. We went through the whole chronology, and I, I don't know where the source material was about him dying in 97. Let's say that even that's false. Jurassic World introduced Masrani by saying... John Hammond entrusted me as his dying wish to create this park. And that movie says the park was established in 2005. So at the very latest, John Hammond died 2005, 13 years before this. <laughs> so, like, when was this girl cloned and why was it a big deal if like, she wasn't cloned until years later? Yeah, it doesn't and, make any sense at all. why was it his only dying wish? Shouldn't he be like, Mesrani, build me a park with dinosaurs? Oh, and don't let Lockwood clone humans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and can I, like, where is Mesrani? Like, where is the imprint of the Mesrani Corporation? Like, have they gone completely bankrupt after Jurassic World and InGen's just back to this? Like, where, where are they? Oh, I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna talk about. One of the other plot holes, I guess, in this, which is like, uh, well, I'm sure we'll come back to the clone little girl at some point, but. Uh, the whole villain plot in this, now we talked about the spoiler-free one about how over-the-top I felt all these villains were. It was just the uh, our, our Legion of Doom here and our evil lair. Like, that's not even an exaggeration of how they try to present these. Yeah, that's literally how they present them in this movie. They say at the beginning of this, like, you know, Eli says, I'm doing this, you know, for the financial security, the future of this company. And they even say at the beginning, like, there have been 80 lawsuits after the Jurassic World thing. They decide we're going to sell these dinosaurs for about maximum $10 million a head. They have a final tally here of $125 million. I'm sorry. 80 lawsuits, bare minimum, not to mention the cleanup for the park and all the cloning expenses you have. $125 million pays for this? That's cheap. That is cheap. Can I just say, like, uh, you know, an aircraft carrier is like, what, a billion dollars? Like, this is an Indoraptor. This is created from scratch. This thing can hone onto things with lasers. This is a dinosaur that can look (laughs) after lasers. And you're only paying, like, $30 million for that? That is ridiculously cheap. I feel like I could go get a loan for that dinosaur. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the film, cost $170 million to make people. <laughs> so how is $125 million bailed out to the point where he's willing to commit countless illegal acts throughout the course of this movie, including basically kidnapping, yep. murder, yep. <laughs> uh, 
uh, this weird underground uh, the illegal black market trading. <laughs> Henry Wu? Like, countless crimes he's committed. Henry Wu, yeah. <laughs> like, it just, it makes no sense. If you're going to do a movie like this, at least say we're selling the dinosaurs for $100 million each. Yeah. I'm glad they finally got to the point, because we talked about, you know, how is InGen still a company <laughs> after Jurassic Park, let alone The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3 or whatever? They finally addressed that. This is why I talked about the spoiler free. That every time they did something that seemed slightly intelligent, they just totally flushed it down the toilet. And this, this is the example of how they did that. They introduced, yes, this company is destroyed. How would you get yourself out of it? You'd have to do something illegal. So then charge more than $4 million for an ankylosaurus because you barely cleared enough to, to, to cover Henry Wu's salary in this. The, the thing that I also find like really interesting about this whole plot is that Basically, the only reason why Owen and Claire are in this film is because Owen can help track Blue, and then Claire needs to get into the building. Now, there were other people who worked at Jurassic World, all right? Yeah. And, like, they've all got trackers in them. So there's actually no... Like, they, this whole villain plot is dumb, because they're the fall of their own plan. If they didn't invite Claire and Owen along to this thing, they would have gotten away with it. So, like... Why the hell have they even brought them along? It just it just does not make any sense, really. This is kind of like the Indiana Jones argument. Take him out of Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. nothing changes. Well, take these guys out of it, everything changes. InGen gets away with it, maybe makes a little bit more money than $4 million on an ankylosaur, and then, you know, boom, bada, bing, you've got your dinosaurs out there with the Russian mafia. Like, it's kind of... There's, there's, there is definitely some big plot holes in this. Like, how the hell do they get the dinosaurs back to the US without going through quarantine? Like, like what? Exactly. What, where is customs at the dock of Northern California? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, what's in that case there? Oh, just a large container of um, clothes. Oh, on you go. <laughs> like, this is Trump's America, where little kids can't even cross the border, all right? I'm sure you can't even get a dinosaur into this country without it being put in a cage and created news and Melania Trump wearing a jacket that says, I don't care, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> like, how do they get them into the United States? <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up the pointlessness of Claire and Owen here, because um, that was the first thing that kind of turned me off about this movie. And again... I enjoyed the movie. I even enjoyed some of the things I'm going to make fun of here. But when they introduce them, yeah, it is. We need somebody who's been in this park before. Now, they didn't have to do that. I mean, they could have just done it as, you know, oh, you want to save these dinosaurs. You know, you're the best one for it. I don't think they needed to have them turn on them so quickly because it. this is one of the complaints I had in the spoiler-free episode, that there's just such impatience in telling this story that it goes by so quickly where it loses logic. It's literally like, they're like, okay, we're going to capture 11 species, and we need these tracking devices in order to 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 find them. And Claire, you're the only, let's say she is the only one who could do this. They get on this island, they find one dinosaur with the tracking device, blue. They ignore all the other ones. 11 minutes later, they have every single dinosaur in captivity. <laughs> then they're like, oh yeah, we've been uh, capturing them for a couple of days now. They literally didn't need it at all. And then they're like, oh, well, the only guy who can uh, capture this raptor or whatever is Owen. Okay, let's, again, say that's the point. When they finally do find Blue, they don't need to shoot him right away. Like, the only way to do, the only reason they did that was, again, to just cram down your throat how evil these villains are. Because logically, it made no sense. Owen just goes up to him and says, hey, you can't do that to Blue. 
all right, I'm going to shoot you and then leave you for dead on the island? Like, it's so extreme. It just makes no sense. And this is something you would see in Jurassic Park, the animated series. And then, like, it's just so quick for everything to happen. A volcano's going to erupt. Like, I'm sorry. I've seen Dante's Peak. They're going to have a better prediction system than we land on the island. Sorry, 25 minutes later, the whole island is engulfed in lava? I want Pierce Brosnan on that island, picking up a rock. Yeah. <laughs> then Linda Hamilton in the background going, Mine must have a lot on his mind if he looks at a rock. <laughs> like, I want it to be scientific. I want Tommy Lee Jones. You know, how can we move that lava? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it is, you know, just some of the things like in that sort of thing. And this goes back to the point in the spoiler free one when I said about Zia and Franklin. You know, why are they there? Like, oh, Franklin can I... unlock a door? Like, what's the name of the guy from the first film that I liked? Um, the Lowry. Lowry. Where's he? Like, why do you need to introduce yeah, a completely exactly. new guy here? Like, you don't. Where's Vivian? Like, and what, what's her job? She's like a dinosaur veterinarian that's never seen a dinosaur? That's going back to Sarah in the second movie, that she's like a paleontologist that gets bored of sitting in the office. You've chosen the wrong field to study, my friend. Like, you know, I'm going to create a new job. I'm going to be an alien dentist. You know, like, I'm not very busy, but who knows? One day aliens could invade Earth and they might need their teeth checked. So, you know, I'm on standby just in case that happens. Um, so, like, that to me is where they're completely useless and we don't need them. Um, and, yeah, like, how does this volcano... 25... Where is the media? Like, we see, like, on the BBC, like, oh, this this volcano is set to, you know, explode. And that that's one thing that I don't think we really mentioned in the spoiler free one i liked kind of this news coverage of the dinosaurs like you know yeah. you know how does this affect the world so i like that but you would think that if there is a volcano like right now at the time of recording this mount kilauea in hawaii is constantly erupting so there's lots of media there like you know there's people who live there it's, it's a big news story this has got to be a massive news story imagine if you discovered that dinosaurs exist they're on an island but a volcano is about to erupt and destroy them all so let's decide whether or not we need to save them or not so why the hell isn't there like media camped out like on boats off the shore of this island getting ready to film it uh, and then all of a sudden they're like oh why are there all these other people <laughs> rocking up here like does does ingen pay off the global media to not show up here and cover this event you know the volcano is another huge plot hole for me. That, for one, it kind of feels like lazy storytelling, too. It's like, oh, how are we going to get the dinosaurs off the island? Uh, a volcano is going to destroy it all. Like, first of all, that's not how volcanoes work. <laughs> they don't explode in an entire island, which is a huge island if you look at this. It is huge. When the island eventually does explode or get destroyed in this, you know, there's that one brilliant shot of the, uh, I think it's a, I can't remember if it was an Apatosaurus or Brachiosaurus that's yeah. on the. Yeah, the Brachiosaurus on the dock where you're just seeing, like, the shadow of the, the fire and the smoke. So you're always seeing a silhouette. Incredible shot. But then they pan out. And you basically see this is about, I don't know, um, half a kilometer radius <laughs> of the island that's engulfed in lava. Then you have probably about, you know, 150 kilometers of this island that is still completely open to roam free. So it's like... <laughs> Most of the dinosaurs are going to survive this. There is no way that one volcano takes out an entire island. And and can we also point out, Isla Sauna still exists. So are the yes. dinosaurs not alive on Isla Sauna? 
Like, and this is, there's a scene yeah. when, you know, they, to get Claire and Owen onto the island, you know, they show that, like, oh, we've created a sanctuary for the dinosaurs. You I already know. did 20 years ago. Yes. Like, it's there. <laughs> it exists. It still exists. Like, like, actually, they mention what it. There is a line in the movie they do mention is Lasorna. I don't know if you picked up on that, but it's kind of, no. it's ridiculous because they're acting like this is it. This is the, the end of dinosaurs as we know it. But no, <laughs> this is Lasorna, people. It still exists. Yeah. Like, so many plot holes in this movie. L- let me bring up another one here, because we-, we mentioned in the other episode this may just be a back-and-forth battle. I got a bigger plot <laughs> hole. I got a bigger one. Uh, Jurassic World ends with Henry Wu being told, leave the island and take all of the samples. He takes the DNA of pretty much every single dinosaur in that briefcase of his. This entire movie is about how are we going to get the DNA back? <laughs> Henry Wu took it all off the island! <laughs> They have it already, so why do they have to go back here and rip the teeth out of living dinosaurs' mouths? You know, because that's the only way that, like, like Buffalo Bill can do it in this movie. <laughs> when Henry Wu took all of the DNA off the island at the end of the last movie, there should be no reason why they need these dinosaurs again for the DNA. And Henry Wu, essentially, is exactly the same in this film as he is in Jurassic World. He's in it, he has, like, a bit of an evil speech... And then he's running away with the embryos at the end. Like, that's all. B.D. Wong has been sitting around for 20 years plus going, finally, here's my chance. Jurassic World comes along and goes, okay, fair enough. It was a bit bigger than my role in Jurassic Park. So bring on Fallen Kingdom. I'll have a huge role. And essentially it's the same thing. But, like, yeah, how does he, like, and even him running, this is what we talked about in Jurassic World, I think, was, like, why are they panicking so much that they've got to run away with all these embryos? Like, the the island's yeah. not getting destroyed, essentially. It's just, you know, we've just got to get out of here. Surely that the fact that Henry Wu managed to recreate these dinosaurs in 2005 after doing it in, like, the 80s to build Jurassic Park, there is some sort of stockpile of these in the InGen yeah. headquarters in San Diego. Like, what company only has the only samples of something that should be creating billions of dollars worth of revenue, not $4 million for an ankylosaur, and they're just carried away in a, in a suitcase? You know, like, does Coca-Cola's secret recipe only exist in the <laughs> vault in Atlanta? No! I'm sure it's backed up in a hard drive in every single headquarters around the world. The secret source of a Big Mac, the herbs and spices of KFC, there's not one copy of it, people. There's legitimately places around the world where there's backups. But Henry Wu, no. My only copy of these creatures. And I've run out of Velociraptor um, blood. Oh, well, better get the blood off blue again. Oh, it's been mixed with yeah. the T-Rex blood? Oh, no, we can't use it again. We can't create, create raptors we'll again. We'll never clean a raptor again, people. Sorry. <laughs> Go to Islasora, Henry. They're there. <laughs> one of them got killed by gymnastics. There's still a couple left. <laughs> One of them said, Alan, it can talk, all right? It's smart. Yeah. <laughs> it is completely absurd because I was thinking to myself, just well, they got those samples off the island, it didn't even occur to me, Isla Sorna. Let's just say all the dinosaurs died on Isla Sorna. I'm pretty sure that those skeletons are going to be in better shape than the mosquitoes in the amber mines. <laughs> you still, that Lockwood still has a plethora of them yes. in his bedroom. Yes. This is a scene where... He's killed, and there's basically shattered amber everywhere. I'm like, 
There it is! There's the raptor! That's the mosquito right there! What about, like, was it Pompeii, that famous volcanic eruption where they all, like, got preserved in ash? Like, surely that Brachiosaurus, it's, like, up on its hind... Which is a great homage to (laughs) the first Jurassic Park, when it's up on its hind legs. But surely, like, that's preserved in lava. So if they come back in, like, a month, it's just this statue of a Brachiosaurus. So, like, there you go. Like, even these corpses would have been, like, roasted. You would have had, like, you know, roast... Pteranodon or something like that on Isla Nublar. Like, go back in a month's time and get the DNA. You're getting DNA from the bone of an Indominus Rex three years after Jurassic World happened. Yeah. So, like, why are they panicking so much? This is it! No, 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 no! This is all we've got! No, it's not! Henry? <laughs> I, I, like, I like the idea like there is no backup anywhere. This podcast will have at least one backup of our episodes <laughs> in case this show goes down one day. <laughs> we are better prepared to clone dinosaurs than Henry Wu. And we, no one likes us. Everyone likes dinosaurs. So, like, there's a difference there, you know? <laughs> can I just point uh, out... The high- can I, I'll, I'll see your plot hole and raise it with the Mallory plot hole that she pointed out, which okay. I, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but, like, the very... The last scene when... You know, essentially, this is the dumb thing that I hated about this, that, you know, we've got these two useless characters who, to me, are just dumb, Franklin and Zia, who just happen to be there in the end to somehow get poisonous gas, which for some reason exists in the Lockwood Manor, because we've all just got canisters of whatever that gas was sitting around. What is that even there for? Um, And essentially, they're there to try and contain it. They can't. They turn on the air conditioning, which I don't know what the purpose of that is. I thought that was going to soup, you know, leak it out the roof, but it doesn't. So then the whole big twist at the end is kind of, we have to let them go, otherwise they'll all die. And, you know, Claire's like, oh no, I can't do it. And that's when little shit Mia does it. Uh, Maisie, not Mia, whatever her name is. Um, so then she opens the doors, lets out the dinosaurs, and that, we're sure we'll talk about that shortly. As Mallory pointed out, right, these dinosaurs are in their cages, they're all choking to death. Why not just open the doors to let out the gas and then eventually yeah. we'll all go out into the open and you've still got the dinosaurs in the cages. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah, there's like there are so many things they could have done there. But it like I, I mentioned the last episode that they introduce these intelligent ideas and then just either don't go anywhere with it or bring it up so late and kind of ruin it. And this is a perfect example because I love that opening Ian Malcolm speech where mm-hmm. it's about should we let these dinosaurs live or should we let them die? And he and against what you think he's going to say, he's he's like, they need to die. And he gives this argument that makes a lot of sense. And I thought that moment with Claire was going to be so good where it's like, is it going to live or is it going to die? And, I mean, another great way to end this movie, instead of having a little girl just kill everybody in the world by letting it out, uh, would have been something where where she's like, no, I need to let them die. And she made that that moral choice. And then the, uh, I don't think it was a pachycephalosaurus, but whatever that pachycephalosaurus-like dinosaur was, just headbutted a brick wall. And then all the other ones, oh, the gas is leaking out. We get to live. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of ways you could have gotten out of this without uh, being a little girl just kills the world, which... I'm going to raise your plot hole there and say that the whole end of this movie is the setup for Jurassic World 3. Dinosaurs are loose now. There's one of every species loose. They're not going to be breeding. Therefore, the maximum we're going to have is one dinosaur of all these species running around California. Now, the opening of this movie is approximately six guys... (laughs) 
capturing 11 species over the course of the set of 25 minutes on an island about to explode with a volcano. You really think it's going to be a challenge for them to recapture the same 11 species in the in the the the, the state of California? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like how this isn't a problem. That basically, in reality, these guys who who got the dinosaurs just go out there and they collect them all in about 20 minutes. It's Pokemon Go. Like they literally get their phones yeah. out and there they are. That, yeah, no, Jurassic World Live. It's, it's I've been playing it all day. It's exactly true. And I think kind of also they've all got trackers in them. And don't give me the whole all oh, the tracking system was yeah. destroyed by the lava. There are people, like, if it's a Unix system, get Lex onto it. She knows it. It's that simple, all right? That you just find the chip in them, and then you look for the dinosaurs. And it's, like, the thing that, as much as I love Jeff Goldblum and everything about him in this film, except for the really hammy stuff at the end, you know, Yen with a welcome to Jurassic World, um, it's kind of, why is this going to be a bad thing for society? Let's Let's hypothetically imagine the San Diego Zoo... All the animals escape. You've got five lions running around San Diego, a couple of tigers, a polar bear here and there. Like, we do we expect them to wipe out a city of San Diego? No. Like, a couple of people might die, sad, but, like, they're going to get captured. You've got a T-Rex roaring at a lion. What zoo? I think that is meant to be San Diego Zoo. Why are they don't I have, like, 50 hunters at this zoo who are trained yeah. in the process of getting a lion if it's escaped out? Like, I mean, God, we've seen it. what happens in Jurassic Park. Like, you know, bring back... This is the thing. What's his name? Um, Roland. Okay, I know in real life um, uh, Peter po- Pete Pothwaite's dead, right? But, like, this would be a really cool idea, and they won't do it. But get cast, recast Roland, which is sad, because they have to, because again, Thingo's dead. Get someone who looks very similar to him, and have him in Jurassic World 6, Jurassic World 3, Jurassic Park 6, hunting the T-Rex. How cool would that be for a flashback? Like, he got it on the Lost World. But like these, there's, I think there's, they say there's like 27 dinosaurs in total or something like that. There's not even that many. Um, they're not that hard to capture. Maybe the Mosasaur, okay, understand that might be a little bit difficult to get. Um, but like, yeah, that one, I, I'm like, okay, I can see where a sequel would exist for this. Yeah. But this is, this is where I'm excited for the sequel. And like, I, I 100% agree, like, this is, shouldn't be as big a deal as it is. But it still is exciting for me because again, I've always said I like this idea that they've touched on about dinosaurs on the mainland in a human environment as opposed to their own island. Again, explored in the first two books. So that's the part that I'm really excited for. It's just, Again, it shouldn't just be a bigger deal as it is. And, you know, you will argue the life finds a way argument. Well, fair enough, they can change sex. But, I mean, if you change sex, you're still going to find somebody else of the other opposite sex to have sex with, have babies. Exactly. So it's not like Blue's going to all of a sudden become a hermaphrodite and put one hole in the other. And, like, you know, like I'd like to see it. That'd be an interesting thing to watch. But, I mean, it's still, <laughs> you know. I mean, it did give us some great shots at the end. But that's kind of going back to what I said in the spoiler-free one is that the problem with the trailers is that we saw a scene of the Mosasaur with surfers. We saw a scene with a T-Rex yeah. roaring at a lion. And you get to, like, 115 minutes of this film when you haven't seen it, and you've got Claire debating whether she should press a button and little Maisie comes in. You kind of know that they're going to get let out because you know you haven't seen these scenes. So they're great shot. it's a great shot of the T-Rex roaring at a lion. I mean, God, that's fantastic. The Mosasaur eating a surfer, it's great. The the post credit scene with the um, Pteranodons on the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas, fantastic. Blue overlooking that little oh, town. Yeah. Like, you think, oh, they're fucked. 
Like, yep. it's it's great. It's a great shot. But again, as we're saying here, it's not really a bigger deal. Because straight away, why are Claire and Owen just driving on the coast of California going, oh, oh well, we let some dinosaurs out. Get on the fucking phone yep. and call the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> call the FBI, call the CIA, call everyone. Like, Ellie can call the Marines and the Navy into Isla Sauna. Where's Ellie? Where's Ellie? Is she still married to a diplomatic boyfriend? Surely Charlie has <laughs> grown up now and is following in his dad's footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> you still watching Barney? Um, <laughs> you know, here's the other thing that kind of bothered me. Uh, you know, they have all these dinosaurs, which, by the way, we've seen these dinosaurs tear apart buildings and an entire park. They can literally rip through a building. So when they are imprisoned here in the Lockwood Mansion, they're basically in a cell with about, I don't know, four-inch thick brick walls <laughs> that somehow are holding a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. And they are held in here. The only reason they ever get out is because Owen and Claire, who have to be the heroes of the movie, open the doors and, you know, the little girl opens the doors and all that. We've just spent an hour of this movie believing that these dinosaurs can't escape a brick wall and a cage door. Why are they a threat in the real world? Like they, This is like you mentioned in the other episode. They made these dinosaurs seem so dumb and useless in this movie that they don't feel as threatening as they should. Mm-hmm. And another thing is that because of the, the choice to set the, the climax of this in Jurassic Backyard, as I <laughs> joked, um, which, by the way, that was one of the things that I liked. I think on a second viewing, I'm going to like a lot better, but it was a little bit of a letdown because we did see all those shots in the trailer, which I didn't expect them to all just be the montage <laughs> at the end of the movie of you know, the, the dinosaurs in the world. I was kind of waiting for, even if it would have only been the last 10 minutes of this movie, the dinosaurs are loose and we get to see them in a city or something, not like the San Diego, but just proper. Now we can't catch them. This whole climax is in one house. They chose to set it there. So all of your dinosaurs have to be small enough to fit indoors. So they go as far as to be like, it's a baby Allosaurus and a <laughs> baby Tyrannosaurus. I mean, they're not baby Tyrannosaurus, but like baby Baryonyx. Every dinosaur in here is a juvenile. So we don't even get to see a lot of, like, the big dinosaurs you used to see. Like, there's an Apatosaurus at the end of this movie, yes. which, again, is a baby Apatosaurus. But even a baby Apatosaurus is, like, three times bigger than an elephant. Like, where's that cage? Like, it's... And the thing, yeah. going back to kind of, like, the, the plot of the villains here, like, Eli's whole thing basically revolves around not being found out. So how does he... Mm-hmm expect to have a baby apatosaurus a tyrannosaurus rex a triceratops living in the basement of the lockwood manor so (laughs) so like what's benjamin lockwood one time he gets up to get a a glass of milk and he's like he's just like what was that and he's like oh that's just our puppy uh he's in heat i'll just go give him a pat like it's and it's like the one you talk about like being captured the the t-rex bit where it wakes up in the the back of the truck on the boat how the fuck does that not just stand up and rip open that shipping container? Exactly. <laughs> I was, like, expecting that to happen. We're going to have Lost World 2.0 here. So we finally see how the crew of the SS Venture get eaten to death. Like, it, it, it just goes back to sleep. This is where, like, this is dumbed down the dinosaurs so much. This is the T-Rex, the king of everything. And it just, oh, you took my blood, I'm going back to sleep. Like, it's just we dumb. We saw flip over cars 
in the first movie. We saw it flip over two massive trailers in the second movie. It's no match for a brick wall. Yeah. Like, seriously? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it just, yeah, the dinosaurs, They. this is what I mentioned in the last episode. Like, Jay Bayona did such a good job of presenting these dinosaurs so visually this movie looked intimidating and they looked scary again. But they do no justice to these dinosaurs as far as, like, the intelligence goes or even the threat they would really have because – it's so cartoony and over the top that it's just you don't, you don't buy any of it. So there's parts of this movie where I'm just like I just I can't take it seriously. And Eli's plot that you mentioned. Now here's another thing. So Eli specifically states this movie, like you said, he's the whole idea is that he doesn't get caught doing this illegal stuff, like illegally selling dinosaurs black market or whatever. <laughs> okay, I could buy that, but he says he's doing this for the financial security of the company. You're going to have to report your earnings of $125 million <laughs> if this is what's bailing out your company. Yeah. Where is he claiming this $125 million is coming from? And the interesting fact, too, is that, um, I mean, out of all the dinosaurs that have escaped, I guess the interesting part of the story as well is to not forget is some of these, you know, illegal arms people did get away with it. Like, there's, I think one of them got away with the Ankylosaur, and I think they got away with the Allosaurus, yeah. you know. So there is at least, I think, eight I read that have gotten out there that aren't, escaped they're actually in the hands of these mercenary people so there is an interesting thing to kind of explore and even if eli had survived and you're right has to report this like uh yes uh mr eli uh why is there reports in southern ukraine of a a dinosaur kind of looks like an ankylosaurus running through small villages killing oh i don't know what that is not never heard of that before next question uh, <laughs> they, they had your business card on them and a receipt. Yes. They literally have a receipt. Somebody used a Unix system and found a tracker in it. Uh, it's very similar <laughs> to the Ankylosaur on Jurassic World. Um, the one thing that I don't think we really touched on too much in the spoiler-free one, though, is, is James Cromwell's character and even uh, the, the housekeeper who suffers Daniel Craig syndrome from um, Tomb Raider yeah. and just disappears. Like, she's there and all of a sudden it's like, where did she go? Um, I, I, again, I, I mentioned this in the spoiler free one. I liked sort of this idea of what we had in the Lockwood Manor, and I wish we had a more of James Cromwell. I, spoiler alert, he dies. I wish he hadn't have, because I feel there's something interesting, like a connection to John Hammond. And I feel there's more there to be explored about why did John Hammond not want him to clone humans? I mean, no one in this franchise wants him to clone humans, but I feel there's something there that we could have explored a little bit more and not just had the cartoony villain kill him because he's revealed his secret. So, oh, no, you can't tell anyone. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, the death just felt so forced because it was one of these moments where we don't see at any point in this movie that Eli is willing to kill people for this. Um one other thing that doesn't make sense to me, like, it just, I hate, I, I think we mentioned this in Titanic episode, and I'm sure in other episodes too, I hate when a movie has to make characters unlikable for the audience to accept them dying. Isn't one of the things with, like, disaster movies or even monster movies like this, one of the things that makes it effective is that you never know who could die in a great, a nice character. And Eddie Carr's death, we talked about how great that was because, you know, you cared a little bit about Eddie Carr. When a movie only kills unlikable characters, with the exception of Lockwood, it's just a lazy way of writing the movie to 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 force you to like the heroes, because everybody who dies in this movie are like the most over the top villainous characters, like the the hunter guy, uh, Buffalo Bill, there, like uh, Ted Levine. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that his character is so dopey, so unrealistic. But I actually liked him better than some of the heroes in this movie. Mm. Uh, it's probably just like his performance as an actor. But you're also imagining Buffalo Bill as a guy ripping out the teeth of uh, dinosaurs here, which was fun. 
But even like Eli, like his character is ridiculous, but I liked him better than the heroes. And maybe that's just kind of a way of rejecting this lazy way of storytelling where you can only have a character die if the audience wants them to die. And I'm like, that's cheap. And especially this movie, I mentioned the other one that's kind of like The Last Jedi, just in terms of on the surface, it should be darker. It should be scarier. But it's so kid friendly that it just loses its edge. And I almost feel like that just all the deaths of the characters and, and the characters that did die, the graphic deaths, you're rooting for them to die. And that's not the right way to make these movies. We talked about that with Ludlow's death in the, the last one which is uh, with Lost World. It's interesting you said about the kids section. Just um, one thing Mallory noted when we were watching this is there's so many younger kids in the screening that we went to. And none of them were, like, mm-hmm. scared or even concerned with anything that was happening. And, there, you yeah. know, there was jump bits in here. And the one thing I forgot to mention in our spoiler-free one is that in the climax of this film, there was a woman sitting in front of us on her phone, not even watching the movie. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Um, yeah, and does anyone in this film die that's not a villain? I feel like the only people who die in no. this film, like, it's not... Or each of the Jurassic Park films has kind of had oh. someone die who is not a villain and who, you know, like we had Muldoon, we had Eddie, we had Cooper, um, not Cooper, um, (laughs) the other guy, um, Udesky. Yes. Uh, then obviously we had, uh, Zara in the last film. So there was no one really in this one that kind of died that, you know, I feel like somebody should have been sacrificed. Somebody should have died. And I thought it was going to be Wu. Like I know Wu is technically meant to be evil, but you know, still the, the housekeeper, maybe, maybe there's a deleted scene where she does die because she just does disappear. (laughs) Um, so I mean, there's that, but, yeah, it's it's kind of you're right, but I will say though, I do I did actually like um when Buffalo Bill died. I thought that was like, maybe yeah. that's up there as one of the most gruesome deaths when his hand gets ripped up. That was kind of an interesting oh, one. Yeah. And um Toby Jones who I don't know if they were trying to do a direct rip off of Donald Trump when he died. But I did like it when he got in the elevator and he's kind of like, oh, phew. And then all of a sudden the elevator opens up again. Like, that was kind of a cool bit. But um, you've got to say, though, the death of Eli, a, a direct... And surely your nephew appreciated the uh, reference to Eddie Carr there. Uh, <laughs> like, his death was an exact, you know, recreation of Eddie Carr's death from the Lost World. Uh, along those lines... We mentioned that, you know, all the different homages they have here to the past Jurassic movies, not as obvious as the things we saw in Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Those I actually really liked here. So get on some positive stuff here, because I don't know how many of them you caught. The one that I didn't catch, which my nephew freaked out during, uh, was when Claire is trying to recruit Owen. And sorry for all the sirens going off in the background. The I sound the, like uh, my... <laughs> creators of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom coming to arrest you for such uh, negative opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Believe that. The dinosaurs are in Winnipeg, Colin. Quick. Blue's here. <laughs> Go get blue. But um, the... Uh, the What was I saying? Claire and <laughs> Owen. <laughs> oh, yeah. So... When when they're they go out to this bar, and first of all, when Owen's building his cabin or whatever, I'm like, that kind of looks like Montana. When they go to this bar, my nephew pointed out, I was like, that's the same uh, place where where Billy and Alan meet the the I can't remember the couple's name, the Kirby's in Jurassic Park three. And I'm thinking like, oh, maybe it looks like that. Then in the closer I'm looking, I'm like, this is like identical to it. Like it's the same setup, it's the same you know colors for the seats and everything i'm like i actually think especially since i thought it looked like montana i actually think that bar is supposed to be the same bar from Jurassic park 3 and there's other things like the uh the turned over jeep where they actually i don't think it's supposed to be the same one but they zoom in on the objects in the rearview mirror mm-hmm. which of course is like the t-rex chase um in Jurassic park one 
Um, oh, what were some of the other ones? Uh, there was, the, like, like you mentioned, the Eddie car thing. Yeah, there was, I mean, the Brachiosaur getting up on its hind legs is kind of a direct, you know, to the opening when mm-hmm. we see the Brachiosaur. The car, obviously, I think you just mentioned that I wasn't listening. Uh, the car from the tree, um, <laughs> from the first Jurassic Park. Obviously, I like that bit where they came across that car. That was pretty cool. Um, the bit with, uh, Maisie when she's in the dumbwaiter and she's closing the door is obviously kind of like from the oh, kids' yeah. scene. Yeah. Like, that was pretty cool. Um, but like so much of the opening the was just Lost World-esque. Oh, yeah. L- um, like, that's the thing that I, I know we had talked about that and I think we had heard, okay, it's the first 45 minutes of the movie is all this island stuff. It literally is just the Lost World. Like, to the point where, your one character who was the capitalist in the last one, capitalist and naturalist in just three years, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Claire is in this movie. Uh, obviously, the one character who didn't want to come along, but no, you have to or whatever because your loved one is there, except it's not your daughter or, it's, or your girlfriend. It's your your baby raptor. But even uh, when even they like get Claire going to the mansion and kind of, you know, going there to see Lockwood and then all of a sudden Eli comes in. That's just Malcolm going to the mansion. Yeah. And then he comes Ludlow, Ludlow sure. first and then he goes to talk to that. But uh, even we got direct quotes from the lost world when I think it's Eli mentions the speech that Hammond gives on TV at the end of the lost world. Um, you know, that these animals are got to, you know, thrive and, you know, that, that's an exact quote. And there is a definite moment where he mentions Isla Sauna. There's just a quick little throwaway line that he says the words Isla Sauna, like, oh, this is before Nubler and Sauna. So there is a, there is a, a direct reference there to it. So, um, yeah, I think there was just so much, so much more Lost World that I was expecting, which obviously as a Lost World fan, I really appreciated. But even like Jurassic Park 3, you know, the whole notion of, yeah kidnapping someone to get them on the island to kind of do exactly, what you want. Yeah. That's just Jurassic Park 3. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the subtle little things, as we said, that aren't as down your throat as Jurassic World was. But, again, it, it really does for the fans of this film. And I, I think the one bit that I, I need to see for a second time, because I think I mentioned the um, the YouTube guy, I've forgotten his name, he saw a seven-minute preview of this film, uh, you know, a month ago, and he said in a spoiler-free review that pay close attention, you hear the sound of a dinosaur that is a direct throwback to the first one. In the opening bit where you've got that guy and he's on his little computer thing while the submarine's in the water, and he's, like, obviously before the T-Rex shows up, which is a beautifully shot scene, like, when you see the flash of the thunder and you kind of see the head of the T-Rex, like, that freaks the shit out of you. But if you actually... There's a bit where he turns his head because he hears a sound. I swear that is that little chirp of the Dilophosaurus. Like, if you listen to it, it sounds like the chirp of the Dilophosaurus when Nedry hears in the first one, and that's why I really need to watch this film again to see if I'm just making that up in my mind or you do hear it, because I don't know if you picked up on that, but I I swear I picked up on that. No. I mean, I I was... Uh, thinking about when Maisie's running around the mansion, the dinosaur mansion, and you see the Dilophosaurus exhibit or whatever, yeah. which I thought, oh, we finally get to see a Dilophosaurus again, but it's that. Um, but I mean, even just the, the the amount of compies we see in this movie, like that was, I think, the one I freaked out with the most. I mean, I love the Baryonyx because we finally got to see Baryonyx in it, and I also love that scene, the way it comes in the tunnel and the flashes. It's probably one of the few really tense scenes in the movie too, with the ladder going up when it comes down. Yeah, uh, that's so good. But uh, seeing the compies back was fantastic. And anytime they could bring these dinosaurs back, I mean, there is that nostalgia too. But I think we've kind of established on here that like, we like the new dinosaurs. I did find it a little bit weird that, you know, they said 24 species or whatever in the first movie. And I think we counted like 18 or whatever. There's like another you know, 
10 in this movie that seem to exist on that island, they take off that island that were never on there the first place when we watched Jurassic World. So there's obviously this big mistake with the continuity of which dinosaurs are there or whatever. But, I mean, it is cool, at least, that we get to see the Baryonyx and we get to see the um, uh, the Allosaurus, which I think this is the first time we see. We saw a Ceratosaurus in 3. This is the first time we've seen the Allosaurus. So we're getting these new dinosaurs every t- single time. You do have to kind of suspend a little disbelief about where did they come from. Though. Which is, I think, going back to what you just said about we counted them, didn't we? Wasn't there a mention in Jurassic World about only being six carnivores and we counted them? And yeah. all of a sudden there's yeah. like 10 more. Um, there's Allosaurus, there's Carnotaurus, yeah. there's Baryonyx, like, there's three just in this movie, not to mention the, uh, the, the Compies, yeah. which we didn't even count for the first movie, but apparently there's tons of them there. Which, I mean, the thing to me that I said in, throughout all the ones we covered is that it, it baffles me that, like, they introduce all these new ones, which are great, like I said that in the spoiler one, it's great, but we kind of, we don't get enough time to digest them. But, like, you never get the throat... Like, sure, we see a Dilophosaurus statue and maybe the sound of a Dilophosaurus. We saw the hologram of it. Why is it never returned? Because, like, the Dilophosaurus was so popular in the first one. And even the Spinosaurus. Like, I know Jurassic Park 3 is kind of not looked upon favourably, but why don't we ever get to see that? Because that would have been a cool little thing. Like, here's a Spinosaurus. And, again, go through all the literature on the Dino Protection website about kind of the history of everything. And they delve into a lot of Isla Sauna stuff on there, too. So... You know, I, I think that's one thing definitely that we've we've picked apart the plot holes there about Isla Sauna existing. But, you know, that's something that I do hope they come to the sixth film and, you know, they have to address that. Like, it's about capturing the dinosaurs. We've got them off the Russian arms dealers. Oh, and even if, like, you're not going to go back there, maybe, you know, if, if Alan comes back into it or, or Malcolm's got more of a scene and they can just drop the line, like... Well, we've still got Isla Sauna. I'm like, no, remember that was, you know, we went there two years ago and they're all dead. Like, you know, just put a throwaway line in there or something like that. Because otherwise, if they go through all of this and hypothetically the end of the sixth movie ends and we've captured all the dinosaurs, Claire, let's make out. And then that's a happy ending. Like, well, what about Isla Sauna? <laughs> like, it still exists. Um. One other thing, just to add on the characters in this, like you mentioned the other one that you didn't care for, Zia and Ugh. Franklin. I did like them in this. Uh, I definitely did not like Claire and Owen. I think we're both kind of agreeing on this one. Mm-hmm. They're kind of useless, almost annoying at times. Like I think that moment when they shoot Blue, which Blue is about to kill a person in this movie, and that's basically what sets Owen Grady off. It's like, how could you have shot Blue? It was about to eat a man's face off. Like, this is Ian Malcolm's speech. Do you value the humans or do you value this? Um, And in the end, what was weird about this was that Zia's character, she basically tells him, no, you need me to save this raptor. And then she leaves Owen there to die. (laughs) And when they meet back up again, they meet back up again. It's like, oh, good, you're alive. I hope that you still would be. She left him there to die. So she values this animal's life. There's this really weird thing in this movie where everybody's valuing the dinosaurs' lives above people, which is one of the reasons that ending is just so infuriating because even though, logically speaking, all these dinosaurs are going to be captured within 20 minutes, people are going to die because these people, well, we don't want the dinosaurs to die. That's not fair to the dinosaurs. (laughs) It's just that the moral issues in this movie are just especially since this one is more of a kid movie like 
I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of children out there that get driven to be, you know, complete psychopathic murderers because, uh, hey, you can't have a cat on a leash, and then they just slit somebody's throat. Like, is this what the world's going to come to? I, the thing too, like the driving off into the sunset scene when Claire and Owen are kind of concerned, and Maisie's in the back seat, isn't she? So like they've taken like again, where's the housekeeper? Like, you know, she's just whatever. They kidnapped a child. They did. I, I want them to have, like, little shit one and little shit two. And I never thought I'd want them to come back. But I kind of wanted to see them in Jurassic World 6 now all of a sudden. Aunt Claire, Aunt Claire, who's this little girl? Why are you looking after her more? You still don't care about us. Like, <laughs> but it's just, yeah, I mean, oh, just, I, 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 I don't even know what to say about I'm back to her being a clone. Um, I just wanted to reveal it oh, and see so dots stupid. underneath it or something like that. I don't know, like Owen looks in the mirror yeah. and he sees a dot under his eye. Or... <laughs> um, uh, I guess the Indoraptor is one more thing we should really talk about. Uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention on the Owen and Zia character. that I, I just read this today that Zia's character was originally supposed to be a lesbian in this movie. There was just one line. It was just like a throwaway line. But the actress came out and said that uh, there was a line that would have referred to her as being a lesbian, but it was a scene that was cut. And this is what I was mentioning in the other episode, just living proof that Colin Trevorrow has the biggest man crush ever on Chris Pratt. Because could you imagine how forced down your throat this character would have been if this scene existed? Zia was supposed to be in the vehicle when they're you know on their way there or whatever, and uh, she looks at Owen and says, yeah, square jaw, good bone structure tall muscles i don't date men but if i did it would be you it would gross me out but i would do it <laughs> that was a line in this movie wow and that's that's exactly my complaint about owen like why does everybody always have to be reminding you how incredible this guy is and there are things he does in this movie that just look stupid i'm sorry i don't need to see him doing like triple front flips to escape from a t-rex <laughs> it's just it's too much and, and again, for a guy whose entire purpose in this movie is don't kill any dinosaurs, his whole philosophy is that, well, these dinosaurs didn't choose to be cloned. Neither did the Indoraptor. And he has no trouble unloading a machine gun on this Which, thing through the entire third act. There was there was a bit that did make sense to me, too, was the bit when he lets out um, Stiggy, goes through, and kind of everyone starts running. And they're scared of a freaking one that just rams into you. It doesn't even eat you. Like, it's like a Gallimimus coming after you. Ah, it's a veggie, Saurus Lex, veggie. Um, but <laughs> then he leaves. He turns into like James Bond and starts mowing down mercenaries with a machine gun. And yeah. then as he leaves, and kind of the room's completely empty, they've left the Indoraptor by itself so that Buffalo Bill can come into it. Where does he go at that point? Like, what, what's his goal at this point? He's gotten everybody out of the auction, but here we've got this Indoraptor that's only worth $30 million or whatever it is. Like, come on. Um, it's just stuck in a cage. And I just, I just don't understand. Why on earth that's that bit there? And there's another weird bit where they kiss kind of in inappropriate time. It's like, oh, people are dying. It's the same same in Jurassic World where it happens. Yeah, they just they just kiss during the Pteranodon. Uh, yeah, the Pteranodon um, Dimorphodon attack. And the the Indoraptor. The bit that I kind of thought was going to happen is the bit where and I I didn't like the slow motion when Indoraptor and Blue fell down the ceiling <laughs> like and then you know the Indoraptor gets empowered I swear Blue was going to die at that point and I kind of you know it's kind of just the way it was but the bit at the end when kind of like Owen looks at Blue and is like come on girl you want to come back with me and then like Blue runs off like what what does he yeah. expect like Blue to go and that's the point where it goes Owen 
And then, like, yeah. he, he lives back with him in Montana, and the next scene we see is Blue hammering a nail into, like, his cabin. <laughs> like, what does he expect Blue to do at that point? Uh, I'm also, just going back to what you said about how this whole climax ends, where, I mean, the Indoraptor, first, I, I want to say, I like the Indoraptor way more than the Indominus Rex. I agree. Um, when they reveal this thing, it looks interesting, even when they show how it's been trained. Now, it doesn't make sense because they've clearly said that Owen was the guy that trained these things, which is why they need Owen. Who trained the Indoraptor? Woo! I mean, Wu is even <laughs> explaining that you can't train these things unless you have the mother figure or whatever, which when did he become an, an animal behavioralist either? <laughs> I mean, this guy's a geneticist. I don't know where he learns all this psychology stuff for animals from. Cuddlefish. But... Somebody, but somebody must have trained this thing even more so than raptors because this thing can respond to a laser pointer and a sound wave or whatever as they throw, which is completely absurd. But but it makes it more intimidating in this movie. I love the chase stuff. Like this was my favorite part of the movie, probably the chase stuff with the Indoraptor, even if it was just Jurassic Backyard. Uh, with the little girl hiding in the room, like we saw that in the trailer. There's so much great stuff here. But then they had to ruin it with this stupid ending where Claire points the laser thing and basically <laughs> tries to sick the Indoraptor on Owen. Now, that could have backfired. You could say, <laughs> yeah, you could say, okay, in some far fetched way, she's like, she knew this thing would run on the glass and it would fall through the glass. She didn't know it would get impaled on just the right spot. <laughs> and like you said, 99% chance. This thing just lunges and kills Owen right there. Like, she could have pointed the thing at, they didn't say it will only lock onto a human target. So they'll lock onto any target. Pointed an ant on the ground. Like, pointed <laughs> at the glass. Pointed at something inside the room. Pointed at, like, um, uh, the, the dead corpse of Benjamin Lockwood. Like, something that is not her boyfriend, where she's putting his life at risk. And it's, go back to what you're saying about how, like, there's so much, you know, sympathy here for the dinosaurs. Why is the poor Indoraptor not sympathized? Like, the, the, the yes. whole purpose of this raptor is that it's been created, it's been let out, and it's just simply hunting through this house. It's no different to any other dinosaur in the Jurassic Park. Like, it's just, it's an animal. And, like, okay, it's trying to kill you, but, like, at one point, Blue tried to kill you, Owen. Uh, the T-Rex yeah. in the, the thing tried to kill you at some point. Like, all of these dinosaurs have tried to kill you. Stiggy tries to run directly at you. You don't try and kill poor little <laughs> Stiggy, do you? So, like, this poor Indoraptor, maybe this is going back to our point, there's no innocent victims in this movie who get killed. It's the Indoraptor. Like, you know, yeah. it's kind of... Like, I agree with you. I like the Indoraptor better than Indominus Rex. But, like, the Indominus Rex, you kind of... You don't necessarily care a lot for in the end because it's going through its killing spree and it kind of it gets to the point where... You know, it's going after your favourite Rexy in blue. So, you know, hey, it gets its just desserts at the end. But Indoraptor didn't deserve to die. Hashtag justice for the Indoraptor. Um, <laughs> because the poor thing... Can I also... Go, go. <laughs> I was just saying, one more thing on the Indoraptor here. The entire purpose of this movie is they started off pre-title scene, great pre-title scene. Yes. Like, amazing pre-title scene. I mentioned the other one, my favourite of the Jurassic Park pre-title scenes. They get the tooth from the Indominus. So this thing is going to be cloned with what to make the Indoraptor, Ben? Uh, let's say a raptor. Uh. <laughs> now, were the screenwriters or even Dr. Henry Wu missing the part in Jurassic World when the Indominus turns and says, it's part raptor? 
It already is part raptor. What do you need the raptor for? So in Jurassic World 6, uh, Jurassic Park, what, you know what I mean, the next one, if they're going to get the Indoraptor and combine it with the T-Rex and we're going to now have the Indo-Velociraptor Rex. It's part yeah. T-Rex, part <laughs> raptor, part raptor, part T-Rex, part Indominus Rex, part Indoraptor. <laughs> Part Maisie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they've come out and said that the sixth one will not feature a genetically modified dinosaur because we've got a gen- genetically modified human. She's gonna grow wings at some yeah. point, and, like fly up to the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas to join a pterodon friends or something like that. Um, Did you stay for the after credits? Did you know that was gonna be there? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's funny too because none of these movies have ever had post credit yeah. scenes, and even my nephew was like, "We should go. There's not gonna be a." No, a post credit scene. And like, well, you never know. But mostly I was just like, I just want to hear the music. Cause I mean, it's great music that you get during the credits. Mm-hmm. So when the post credit scene came, I mean, I was surprised. And again, it's an incredible shot. And I guess that's the last thing to sort of mention where they're going with Jurassic Park six or Jurassic World six, uh, is the dinosaur is now on the loose, which again doesn't really make sense considering all of them were captured with ease in only like 20 minutes at the beginning of this movie. But. For argument's sake, they're out in the world. Uh, the Mosasaurus part, like, that I loved. Yeah. Because that's the one creature where you're like, no, how do they catch this? It's just like a shark. I mean, to catch a shark, you know, you need Roy Scheider, uh, <laughs> uh, Robert Dreyfus. Shaw, and Richard Dreyfuss. <laughs> and, and even then, I mean, two of them are going to survive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's just for a shark. It's a Mosasaurus here. Uh, but... I guess the other one was the the pteranodons in the Las Vegas. I mean, that's cool and everything, like the the T-Rex and the lion. But the raptor in just uh, a residential area, like this residential village, like very suburban area, that I thought was just crazy because I'm not saying that I need to see this on screen, but I think we really need like some some threat and some stakes coming back. And one of the things that even if it might've been a little bit too dark was the idea that the lost world started with a little girl getting attacked by a dinosaur. I mean, I can't imagine even if this Raptor doesn't kill, but if we start the next movie and there's like a children's playground with a Raptor (laughs) attacking children, that's what you really grab an audience with. You don't even have to go any further than that, but like bring some real threat back. And that's where I think I'm slightly excited for the next one. Even if I'm not a totally sold on it all being just in the real world, uh, is that there's going to be a real threat with dinosaurs killing real people in this and not superhumans like Owen. I think it would be funny if they had have like panned up and seen him looking over that town because it kind of looked like, you know, somewhere in like Breaking Bad. So we just would have had the like Breaking Bad introduction. But this is where the sixth one opens it up for so many returning characters because, you know, you just, you have, you've had your excuse to bring Alan back, Ellie back, you know, Malcolm back now, Malcolm back again. Like, have it, you know, just... I imagine if they bring back uh, Lex and Tim, you know, <laughs> like Tim's grown up and he's whatever he is. And all of a sudden, like he just sees a raptor running past the window and he has like nightmares or something like that. But this, in all seriousness, like you can bring these back. And I think that yeah. it's, it's, it's almost to a point where it makes so much more sense to bring back returning characters again, like Nick Van Owen, bring back Nick Van Owen. Like for God's sakes, you know, Sarah Harding, like, that would be almost like Avengers level of Jurassic World franchise if all of a sudden, you know, Julianne Moore signs up, Vince Vaughn signs up, you know, all these returning actors come back, uh, which would just be incredible because you can just, you can make excuses and reasons now why they actually can come back to this franchise. Yeah, because I think that's the great thing about this. In a way, the smartest thing that they did or that Michael Crichton did 
was create the world's first sequel where you believed you didn't have to bring these characters back. And that's what was so great about what they did do with Ian Malcolm in the Lost World was this idea that like these characters would never want to be in the situation again. So you always had to have these fresh characters and you'd have to work really hard to get an Alan Grant back there or an Ian Malcolm. With the sixth one, it's not even a challenge because the people aren't hiding anymore. You can't hide. I mean, you can just have the dinosaur showing up at Ellie's door and uh, Charlie's like, you know, dun, dun, da, 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 it's Barney. You know? uh, it's the dinosaur man. <laughs> of course. I mean, granted, Charlie's 21 years old now, but I'm sure he's still. <laughs> he's a slow I developer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's the dinosaur man. Charlie, you're 21. Get a job. <laughs> this is our herbivore. That's the dinosaur man. <laughs> But, yeah, like, it makes sense now. And maybe they don't need to bring all the characters back. Maybe they can't even just in, like, cameo roles or whatever. I don't think we need to have, like, a massive team assembled. Like, here are the, the Earth's mightiest heroes. <laughs> Alan Grant, Ellie Sadler, Nick Van Owen, uh, the Kirbys. <laughs> Udesky Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper Jr. Jr. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's just like... Don't do what they did in, and I keep referencing Independence Day Resurgence, but don't bring Vivica Fox back just to have yeah. her, like, get killed on a roof. Like, that was just pointless. Five minutes in. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. let's just have her back because she's the only connection to Will Smith we can get. Like, I don't want to see Joseph Mazzello on screen for two minutes and get his head bitten off. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no. Like, have them have a decent, you know, section to it. But, like, this is where I think they've just, they have set themselves up. Like, as you said, like, there's no, you know, going over the top with excuses and you're probably not going to get, you know, Vince Vaughn and Julianne Moore back, you know, because, you know, they've kind of gone on to be, I mean, Vince Vaughn just got arrested, so maybe he needs to pay the bills. So probably would get Vince Vaughn back. But, you know, I mean, Jeff Goldblum's going to do it. Jeff Goldblum is always going to do something like this. He, he doesn't really need to be swayed that much. I know Sam Neill has said that he would do it again if the situation presented itself. Laura Dern, as we just said, in the 25th anniversary, was glowing about her time on Jurassic Park and said she would gladly do it again. And I don't know if you follow, I think you do follow Ariane Richards on Twitter after we sort of, you know, went on over painting things, but <laughs> she got invited to the premiere of Fallen Kingdom. She's been tweeting so much stuff about Jurassic Park in the last few weeks. So, you know, to me, it's not that much of a stretch that you could get her because she's not doing anything except painting now. So, you know, there's all these little things. The girl, uh, Kelly from The Lost World, she's probably a world champion gymnast by now. I don't know. So, like, there's just so many things that you could do to bring these people back, which it's exciting enough for me to set up for this film that even if they don't, I mean, I'll be disappointed, but I still feel there's enough here that that should make the sixth one to me, maybe the most anticipated one out of all of these films. Uh, just before we kind of wrap this up, I, I just want to point out one other, maybe the single most gro- outside of the clone little girl, the most grown worthy moment to this movie. And I think this is partly because we complain so much about the Indominus Rex, a, a creature that had been in captivity his whole life, who was behaving like somebody who had observed human behavior. <laughs> The Indominus, even more so, the moment where it's pretending to be passed out, and it's almost like you see it like opening one eye, and then Mills sort of looks at it, or not Mills, uh, Buffalo Bill there looks at it. It's like, oh, he's seen me. Got to close my eyes. It's just that that that's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. That like that's gymnast and Allen level dumb. <laughs> the idea that this dinosaur is playing sleepy. <laughs> 
for uh, the, the movie's big villain. The only way it would even know that would work is if it would observed humans before and tried this, and that would never happen. It's just one last thing I want to say that I absolutely hate in this movie, and one last thing I want to say how much I love, uh, even though I think I already mentioned it, was that stampede sequence. Mm when the volcano was exploding, which even though the volcano, I think, explodes way too quickly in this movie, not just way too quickly, like, at the point of the movie, but they get to the island. I was like, oh, sorry, volcano, we're all dead. <laughs> but seeing all those dinosaurs rush past everybody, and, you know, it's it's kind of like Blinky Mist. Like, that's one of the reasons I want to go back and see it a second time, because I, I want to be able to look and see, ah, oh, there's a Stegosaurus, ah, oh, there's a Gallimimus, ah, uh, there's a Triceratops, and it's just back and forth like that. But even the second half, when they go in the water in the gyrosphere... Mm. Like I thought that was gonna be so stupid when I saw Owen all of a sudden descend towards this thing with a gun in hand. I'm like, this is gonna be cheesy, but I think it actually works really well. Like the tension of that scene and everything. So, uh, so that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. But then the the, the playing sleepy Indoraptor. <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, the the underwater one. I'm glad you mentioned that because that to me is up there with the you know the T Rex. Not as like much as the T Rex attack or the the trailer one. But I mean that's kind of to me the highest tension field point of this film and it's it's so fantastically shot it's like basically one continuous shot of these actors in this sequence and yeah like seeing owen sort of jump down jump up jump down it's just it's just so well done that is that is just beautifully crafted that scene um the, the there's a couple of moments so like sort of with throwbacks um there's at least i think two scenes in this film where you get a character on a computer who kind of like hesitates before it turns on if we had have had the line <laughs> It's a Unix system. I know this. <laughs> that would have made this film brilliant, like even more so than it is. Like, come on, there was like at least a couple of scenes there where you were waiting for them to do that. Yeah, yeah, and and also when the Indoraptor is sneaking into Maisie's room, mm. it doesn't go through the door, but there's a handle on the window yes. where it's opening it, like the Raptors in the first one. And of course, you also mentioned like the thing uh, with the, the, the cupboard door, uh, from Jurassic Park with, with Lex and they redo that with Maisie here. Yeah. There's a lot of little fun parts like that, which again, none of them are so obvious because it wasn't like anybody in the theater was sort of like freaking out. Like, yeah, I see where they're going with that. I mean, I was turning to Jamie, my nephew saying, Hey, remember that from the other movie? Like, no. And I'm like, and then I had to explain it more. They're like, Oh, now I get it. The thing though that, I mean, maybe, Again, to nitpick as much as I like the sort of the fallen car from Jurassic Park sort of making an appearance is again, there's meant to be a giant cliff there. Remember, folks, uh, we kind of worked out how this <laughs> didn't make sense in Jurassic Park, but I think it would have been hilarious had they like, you know, incorporated that in there. And as they were walked across, they see like a skeleton. I think this was Gennaro. I think this was too. And they just keep like yeah. walking along. But actually, that really does annoy me now. The more that I think about it, that tree is there and the car's there. Where's that cliff that it fell off? Like, shouldn't that be stopped? Stopping the lava? That actually makes no sense. Uh-huh. And where is... Do we actually ever see a giant mountain in either Jurassic Park or Jurassic World that could distinguish no. a volcano? <laughs> that grew. That grew in three years. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many dumb things in the movie. And I think we spent most of this episode... We spent a lot of the last one kind of complaining, but spent most of this one complaining. But, like, let's just again reinforce our opinions on this. This is still a fun movie. And even though I have been constantly telling people today, like, this is such a ridiculous dumb movie but it's still fun and i still kind of want to see it again like it's worth it to see it it's just it's not going to be the greatest Jurassic park movie you've ever seen it's going to be the most far-fetched Jurassic park movie you've ever seen it's going to make alan and gymnastic scene seem pretty tame in comparison with how extreme they go in this movie (laughs) but it's still worth it 
Um, if, just quickly too, if anyone hasn't seen during the week, they did an honest trailer for uh, Jurassic Park yeah. <laughs> 3, where they literally end it with the one where the dinosaur says Alan. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we're here and this is only going to be, what, like uh, an hour and, you know, 15 minutes long. Uh, we, we haven't sat here for two hours and 10 minutes like we did in The Last Jedi and just absolutely rip into it. And I think kind of as time has passed, I feel I would be ripping into The Last Jedi even more now. Um, whereas, yeah, like, I, in no way have I left this like The Last Jedi. Like, as I said in our spoiler-free one, I really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. And, you know, as we've established a lot on this podcast, we can still love a movie but rip it to pieces. Um, and, you know, we will, we will sit down and recap this scene by scene, you know, in a couple of years' time before, uh, number six comes out. But, you know, we can still enjoy a film, even though it's got absolutely, you know, glaring problems with it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 for one, am looking forward to seeing this at least another time. Maybe another time after that. I don't know. I'm poor. So probably just one more time. But yeah. So just to recap, because opinions may have changed in the last hour and 15 minutes <laughs> since we finished recording the first episode. Um, you bought this one before, uh, I rented this. I'm still standing by that. So uh, even though, even though in a weird way, I feel like we're probably more critical in this one. I think I'm walking away from it feeling a little bit more positive about the movie because <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think this is the same level of Jurassic Park 3 because I think my praise for Jurassic Park 3 has always been the movie knew it was dumb and it never pretended to be anything other than just a fun monster movie. I think this movie had potential to be more, but I kind of am leaning more towards this being a Jurassic Park 3 than a Lost World. It's not a movie that takes itself so seriously. Uh, so I'm curious to see on a repeat viewing if I can accept this movie like a Jurassic Park 3 or if I look at it more like a Lost World. But uh, as for now, my ranking, I'm still going to stand by the same thing. I would put this just ahead of the Lost World, but probably my second least favorite. I- I'm not changing anything that I said in the one, but I think it's kind of you make a good point. And to me, it's going to be a case of does this suffer a Jurassic World syndrome to me or a Lost World one? Does it get gradually worse over time or gradually better over time? And, you know, I think kind of it's got elements of this and Jurassic Park 3 to it that, you know, I like, and there's definitely parts that I don't like. But, you know, I still bought Jurassic Park 3. You know, it's still got enough to it that is entertaining without it obviously having some terrible things about it. And I think ultimately, again, as I keep repeating myself with, I walk out of this cinema wanting to see the next one already. So I think kind of that definitely is to me. I mean, it's kind of like The Force Awakens. You left going, oh, okay, that was interesting. I'm interesting to see what, you know, we ended on the cliffhanger with Luke. So it's like, wow, I want to see what they're going to do with that. They threw that all to hell in The Last Jedi, and you kind of leave The Last Jedi going, eh, I don't really care what happens in Episode Nine. They've kind of ruined it yeah. for me. So, you know, there's that, whereas this is kind of the opposite. You leave Jurassic World going, eh, you know, cool, I'm sure they'll make another one, but what are they going to do to, wow, that's a great ending, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this. So that's kind of, if we're continuing the Star Wars, you know, comparisons there. But, yeah, and I, I'm looking forward for three more years to see what they do with this. And we should say box office-wise, I mean, it just came out. So at the time people are listening to this, it's technically still opening day, if you're listening to this right away. Um, but... Uh, like worldwide, because this opened, as you mentioned, uh, I think on a preview episode, because of the World Cup, it's been open for several weeks already in some countries. Uh, it's made a fortune already. I mean, this movie's at four hundred over four hundred fifty million dollars before any box office receipts were counted for the worldwide release that we're technically on right now: mm. North America, Australia, everything else. 
450 million before it hits like the major markets. That's crazy. Uh, at least for North American box office, they're putting it on level with, I mean, probably going to be higher than Solo. Uh, definitely lower than like The Incredibles too, but they're estimating around like 120 to 130 million. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it went a little bit lower than that, um, just because I mean I'm not running into a lot of people who are wanting to see it. But the funny thing is, I'm running into a lot of people wearing Jurassic Park shirts. Like <laughs> we were out today, not even near a movie theater, and we saw several Jurassic Park shirts. So I'm, I'm guessing there are some people who are really excited about this, but there doesn't even need the buzz. But, I mean, it's going to open, as we mentioned, it's going to open huge, but this will probably be another one like Solo. We're like, it's a bomb, even though it's made half a billion dollars before it's been out for 48 hours. Which, yeah, I mean, it's, and I see a lot of people like on my social media that, you know, are excited. And I think it's kind of, it's a, it's always going to be a case with the Jurassic Park ones is that, you know, you, you grew up on this. So it's it's kind of in our era. Um, you know, it obviously doesn't have the, the global spread and appeal that, uh, you know, Star Wars does or the cultural impact, but it's still got enough. And I think kind of also tying this in with the 25th anniversary of the first Jurassic Park, a lot of people kind of go along with mm-hmm. that. And yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I have always said we don't expect this to be anywhere near as big as Jurassic World, but I think kind of it's going to do enough. I mean, 400 odd million dollars overseas is pretty ridiculous in terms of how good yeah. that is. So, you know, I mean, to me, this should at least make 200 million dollars domestically. Um, you know. Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whether or not it can top, you know, 300, probably not, but yeah, I think kind of, I mean, this year really has, with the exception of, I guess, Infinity War, I mean, I don't think Deadpool 2 made as much as many people thought it would, and, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously Solo is a case there, and, you know, on the opposite, you know, Black Panther made so much more than people did, and obviously The Incredibles had a pretty, uh, you know, opening week, pretty incredible opening weekend, so it's kind of expectations this year have kind of either been above or below and it's nothing's really kind of just landed on the same page um i mean i'm sure we're gonna be back again for a full recap i don't know if we're gonna wait until jurassic world 3 comes out or not i mean there's a lot more to talk about the fact that we ended the last one kind of feeling like hey we covered this you know for nostalgia but we don't have a lot to say on jurassic world fallen kingdom and we've gotten two episodes out of this which uh, if you combine our two episodes, is probably almost two hours. That's crazy. That's probably more than we've talked about with any movie, including The Last Jedi. So there's obviously a lot to talk about here, and whether it's good or bad, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And uh, if you have already heard this episode, like you, you listen to Spoiler, and still go back and listen to Spoiler Free, because I think the big difference in these two episodes is that we spent more of this one talking about the things we couldn't talk about in the first one. We spend the first one really critiquing the movie and what works and what doesn't so definitely go and listen to that episode as well um and then uh, now that this is over we're moved on to mission impossible which i think mission impossible one our recap went up today mission impossible two will be next week then so on then so on and so on and then eventually we're going to reach a point where we're going to do mission impossible fallout and we're going to say we don't need to do a spoiler episode and then they're going to clone ving rames and we're going to say we have to do a spoiler episode now for mission impossible fallout still to come lots of stuff on the oz network uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Is that the one? Yes, Google Podcasts is now a thing. So get involved with Google Podcasts. I will. I'm going to uh, go and subscribe to us right away and then listen to this episode because uh, I love the sound of my own voice, not so much Ben's. <laughs> uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. My name is Colin, not Trevoro, and I don't date men, but if I did... It would be superhero Chris Pratt. It would gross me out, but I would do it. 
and my name is Ben, and they're like me. They should live. I don't know what the fuck that quote was. She's a clone, all right? Just, <laughs> just sit with that as you listen to the end of this. She's a clone. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>